Welcome to The Bounce Podcast. I'm Bob Lapine. The Bounce Podcast is all about helping pastors develop resiliency, helping us bounce back when we get knocked down, when we face pitfalls or dangers or challenges or failures. How do we bounce back? How do we stay fresh in ministry? That's why we call this The Bounce, because we hope this will help you in your ongoing work as a church pastor or as a church leader. The Bounce Podcast is produced by the Great Commission Collective. I'm a pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas, Redeemer Community Church. Our church is a part of GCC, the Great Commission Collective. We are a collective of like-minded churches who partner together to see healthy elder teams plant and build flourishing churches. And you can find out more about the Great Commission Collective by going to gccollective.org, gccollective.org. Find out who we are, what we're all about, and maybe you'll look there and say, huh, this looks like the kind of place our church ought to be connected. Again, we've got more information for you about how you can connect with GCC on our website, gccollective.org. Today, we want to explore the issue of prayer and how central prayer is or should be in the life and ministry of a local church. And I think most of us would raise our hands and say, we know it's important, we know it's essential, we believe that, we teach that, but when it comes to living it out, if you're asking churches, where are your strengths and weaknesses? There aren't a lot of churches that say prayer is a strength of ours. Most pastors will say it's an area where we could stand to grow. And so we thought we would call someone who would say prayer is central to what we do as a local church, and that's Eric Postoluk. Eric is the pastor at Mosaic Community Church in Joliet, Illinois. He and his wife, Barbie, have four daughters, and Mosaic was built and founded on prayer. In fact, Eric and I get together regularly with a group of other pastors who are a part of the Great Commission Collective, and we meet online for prayer regularly, and it's great to spend uh, more than an hour together just praying together as pastors, and Eric has given great leadership to that. So when it came time to talk about how we make prayer more central to what we do as pastors, Eric was the first person I thought of to call. So I've had the opportunity to connect, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen times with you, Eric, where we've been on Zoom together with other pastors. We gather once a month for a time just to pray together and to we really spend a lot of time praying. We don't talk much. We just kind of set up a theme and then go to the Lord with it. And it's been yeah. a rich time. You've given leadership to this. It's been good for my soul. And so... Thanks for your leadership on that. I'm just wondering if prayer is something that has been a natural discipline and rhythm for you to step into, or if it's a skill you've had to work to cultivate in your own life personally. Yeah, I would say for me, I think it's definitely both. I remember being a brand new Christian. I wasn't raised in the church and I got radically saved by Jesus. And I do remember pretty early on spending extended amounts of time in prayer. 
you know, sometimes as a brand new Christian, like 40 minutes or something. And that for me, that seemed like a really, really long amount of time. And a big part of prayer for me has been this feeling of inadequacy. I come from a very broken family and I always have had these struggles with feeling like I'm, I can't do it. I don't have the intelligence or the ability, these kinds of things. So when I came to Jesus, he began to show me how to bring those inadequacies to him in prayer. It did feel natural to cry out to God because I had this burden that I had carried for so long of feeling inadequate and, and I'm being told that he's going to help me. And mm -hmm. so I loved that idea. And I, I didn't have a lot of illusions about my own strength. Of course, that was in there, but I, I really did feel weak in so many ways, just genuinely. But as I continued to grow in the Lord, I began to see that I needed to just become more and more biblical in my understanding of prayer. And I needed to make sure that I was approaching God in the right way and I was praying about the right things. And also, I just needed to cultivate more and more times of prayer and, and different aspects of prayer in my life as well. So it was definitely both. But I know that, you know, everybody doesn't have that same grace for it to be as natural. And by God's grace for me, it was a little more natural on the front end. Yeah, we can't jump too fast past somebody who says, I was radically saved. So just tell us about your radical salvation. What happened? Yeah, you know, my parents are from the inner city of Chicago, a ghetto named Humble Park. And it's a rough area. Parents you know, dropped out of high school. My mom was a, a teenage mom. By the time she was 19, she had three kids. And um, they got involved in the Jehovah's Witnesses and then left that. And I was just raised not going to church, uh, not really having much of a moral compass. I was engaged in a lot of street fighting. Where I grew up, I had a reputation for being a guy who, you know, can beat up a lot of people. And I had friends who enjoyed picking fights for me to watch me fight. And so that was a huge part of my identity was being tough. I got into martial arts and pretty much got a black belt in that. But then I was also just, I lived a very promiscuous lifestyle. I was in, involved in the dance club scene. I was big in the dancing and I did even some competitions, but just engaged in pornography, promiscuity, drugs, you know, weed, acid. I went to rave parties. All of these things that God just began to convict me more and more of, of how empty it really was. And so at the age of 21, I surrendered my whole life to Jesus, hearing the gospel and getting plugged into a church. But at 21, I remember leaving this job where it was based on deceiving people. I was selling windows. And if you ever saw the movie Tin Men. I don't even know if I could recommend it now. I saw it as a non-believer, but there's a movie Tin Men, and that's what we did. I mean, we we literally had a fake story that we were trained to tell people. And all around Chicagoland, I was going into people's homes and I was making up this lie to manipulate people's emotions so they would buy windows from me, because people buy on emotion oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And so God convicted me of all of that, and I hated the lying. I hated where it was leading me to. And I went up to my Jewish boss while he had a big cigar in his mouth. And I said, Jay, I, I can't do this anymore. 
can't live with myself anymore while I'm doing this. I'm, I'm giving everything to Jesus. And so that means that in order for me to surrender my life to Jesus, I can't work at this company anymore because this would be opposed to what he stands for. And so from 21 on, I've been walking steadily with the Lord. And boy, it's been a wild ride, but yeah, yeah that was a big part of my salvation there. So how did the guy in the clubs who was into drugs and pornography and promiscuity, who got you in front of somebody preaching the gospel? How did that happen? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't put it all together until later, but there were these little windows where all of a sudden I'm in a trailer park where I grew up and I'm seven years old. And there's this guy who talks like Donald Duck and uh, all the kids, we would get around him and he would make us laugh. And then he would just tell us a little bit about Jesus. And I just remember walking away and, oh, he's kind of different. And I used to be a break dancer and I was, I was always asking people for money because I didn't have money. I was at a Dairy Queen and I said, hey, uh, we'll break dance if you give us $2 so we can get an ice cream. And they said, we'll give you the money, but we just, we want to tell you a little bit about Jesus too. Wow. And so I just, I, there's all these little things like this that were just little promptings from God. And, and then when I was 13 years old, I really actually believe I got saved at 13, um, hmm. there was this guy named Mark Balicki who was 23 at the time. And where I grew up, he was a, a big street fighter. You know, he took on two guys at once he wanted to, and he was a big drinker and he got radically saved. And my cousin said, you got to go talk to Mark about God. And so I remember being 13, talking to him at like 1030 at night and he explained the gospel. And I had heard I've, I'd kind of heard the message over the years off and on, but this time it clicked. And now I know that it was God effectually calling me at that moment. And it was very, very supernatural. I had this long standing fear of death. I, I probably lived in like about three years of deep oppression from the time I was 10 years old until 13. I just, I was afraid I was going to die all the time. And I just, I had no good reason to be thinking that other than it was just a fact. I was just like, everybody's going to die. Why even go on? And so Mark explained the gospel. He explained eternal life. And it wasn't even that complex, but I heard it and my eyes were opened and I responded. And it was at that moment, the fear lifted and I began to do street evangelism with Mark. But then what happened after a, a little period of time, I wasn't raised in a Christian home and I didn't have... Christian parents. I didn't have Christian siblings. I slowly got back out into the world. And there was a long window from 13 to 21 where it was kind of off and on, but mainly just living in a lot of darkness. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. I know some would say that, you know, you weren't saved at 13 and, and I would just say, well, that's okay. You know, but how far <laughs> can a genuine Christian stray and yeah. how long can that last? And, and I don't think the Bible is crystal clear on either of those questions. That's what I believe I got saved, but really 21 is when I steadily continued to walk with Jesus. We'll find out when we get to heaven, which yeah. whether it was 13 <laughs> yeah, or 21, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back to the subject of prayer, which is something that was just part of your makeup as a follower of Christ. When you got into pastoral ministry, were you thinking from the beginning prayer needs to be an essential element of what we're doing? Had you seen that modeled in other churches or did that come later for you? I absolutely was thinking about it, but probably not so much as a conscious, like, I really have to do this because it's the right thing to do. It felt very much like 
an absolute necessity. Hmm. Um, you know, my, my story is, you know, at the age of 21, I could barely read. And, hmm. and when I say that, I mean a child's book. I wow. would open up a book with five words on a page and I had a hard time comprehending all five of those words together. That was me at 21. Wow. And so literally I learned how to read once I became a Christian and through reading the Bible. And so again, that whole inadequacy thing was very real for me. Now I was planning to go into being a pastor, but I thought I was going to be a youth pastor and I was going to be on staff at a church. And God was just like, you're never going to be on staff at a church and you're just going to plant a brand new church with eight people. <laughs> and again, like that seems like a crazy story, but you know, one of the truths that God gave me early on as a believer is that his power is made perfect in weakness and that when I'm weak, I'm strong. And right. by God's grace, I really believe that. And I believe that God, he loved to glorify himself through weak people because it, you can't explain it apart from him showing up and doing it. So when I knew that the church was being planted, I mean, I bet you I prayed about eight years as I was planning to plant the church for elders. I mean, I mean, for years and years and years, I prayed for elders before even like knowing if I was going to plant church. And, and a lot of these things were just, I was praying for a worship team for years and years before all of these things. Cause it just, you know, there was scary things about it and lots of uncertainties, lots of unknown, but I will say a book that had a radical impact on me. Uh, there's that word radical again was yeah. uh, fresh wind for fresh fire by Jim Cimbala. Um, uh -huh. You know, and I, I just remember reading that book and feeling like, yeah, this is what I've experienced, but I've not nearly experienced what he's talking about. And it was actually Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire that prompted me, that motivated me to plant a church. That was the book that gave me the vision. I said, I have to see this for myself. That's how I felt. Like, I, I really want to see this kind of church for myself. Because I hadn't experienced that. So I would say I had not really experienced prayer modeled for me. Okay. I, I so, really, I really had not. So personal prayer is something that just came almost second nature to you as a new Christian, crying out in desperation. Yeah. And now as a pastor who's not, can we say somewhat untrained? I mean, you haven't been around this for long. You're starting pretty much from scratch. You'd been to the Moody Bible Institute You'd been around other church planters. You'd started to catch a vision for this. But if we're honest, building or planting a new church with prayer as a foundation, that's not the strategy that's selling a lot of books or getting a lot of people to the seminars these days. Right. Yeah. I had honestly very, very little experience in knowing what I was doing. I was convinced God was calling me to plant a church. And because I was convinced, if I wasn't, I wouldn't have done it. Because I was convinced, I knew I had to cry out to him. And I just got to see lots and lots of different things. You know, I mean, even when we were preparing to launch the church, uh, I wouldn't always do this, but for the launch team meetings, I made a point to put prayer first. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to uniquely emphasize that we can't squeeze prayer out of this time. We literally had a time where there was a guy who came there smoking two packs of cigarettes a day outside smoking a cigarette. He's not safe. You know, we've had, we have like 13 people at the time. And uh, I said, Hey, okay, we're going to, we're going to spend about 45 minutes in prayer. 
before, you know, we continue on with the night, you know, and he came with his wife and she kind of dragged him along and they were kind of checking out this new church that might be starting in Joliet. And so we got like 13 people. His wife drags him out and I tell him, we're going to be praying for about 45 minutes. He tells me later, are you kidding me? I'm thinking I've never even prayed for 4.5 minutes in my life. He's upset now that his wife dragged him there. Here's how he shares his testimony. He said, about halfway into that prayer time, God saved me. Wow. When it came time to end the prayer time, I didn't want it to end. That guy ended up becoming our worship leader. Wow. And he ended up establishing tons of worship songs for our church hmm. that we're still, he, he's not in that role anymore, but we're still benefiting from his work from the very beginning. And he got saved in a 50 minute prayer time meeting. Wow. We should say, when you said you started these church launch meetings with prayer, you're not saying you did a two minute, Lord, thank you that we're here tonight and we can be together with you and bless our effort. You started with a long season of people crying out to God. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, you know, we were easily praying 40 plus minutes every time. But then we also, as the nine months leading up to planting our church, we fasted every Wednesday and devoted that day to prayer as well. So because I, I, I also just God had taught me a lot about fasting before becoming a pastor. And I just saw how fasting and prayer, they go together. And there's just something about when I'm fasting in the spirit, of course, not in the flesh, because I've done both. But when I'm fasting in the spirit, there's an intimacy in prayer that is unparalleled. And I wanted to invite as many people into that as possible. And what I just saw is the more and more people encountered God through prayer, the more excited they got about what God was doing in this church. And that excitement motivated them to tell other people and invite other people into this thing that they were experiencing that, that was, I think for many beyond what they had encountered before. Okay. I'm imagining two questions coming into the heart or mind of the pastors who are listening, two responses to what we've been talking about. One is where a pastor's thinking, you know, I know prayer is important, but honestly, I'm kind of a doubter. It feels bad to even say that because I know it sounds like I'm not a Christian if I say that. But if you said to me, we can either spend the next hour praying together or we can go get something done. I'm a let's get something done guy. And that hour praying together, do I really believe that's going to do any good? I think a lot of us as pastors fall into that group of saying, does this really accomplish anything? And as a result, we minimize it or don't do it at all. What do you say to that guy? The first thing I would say is I appreciate your transparency and honesty and how much that's something that the Lord loves, you know, when we're open and honest. But I really think it comes down to first and foremost, just an accurate view of ourselves. And so that would just show me that I need to encourage him to see himself more accurately because the Bible's declaration of my battle with sin is very severe. And I cannot trust myself because I can't trust myself to plant a church. I can't trust myself to talk about Jesus. I can't trust myself to teach the Bible. I can't trust myself to love people because I will twist all of that. I will use the Bible to glorify myself. I will use the name of Jesus to get myself glory. I will lead people in the wrong direction with the right language. 
because my heart is so messed up. So I think that we really have to focus on what the Bible says regarding the seriousness of our depravity. We have to focus on the fact that the Bible says that we have a serious enemy in Satan. If you really believe that the devil is real and he hates church plants, man, I mean, there's a point where there's a, there's a healthy fear there. And the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And by the fear of the Lord, one who turns away from evil. You know, what does it mean to fear God? It means I'm afraid to be apart from God for one second. I mean, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me. I'm afraid of what I'm going to do. I'm afraid of who I'm going to hurt. So that fear of God has to drive me to prayer because I can't even seek God without God's help. I mean, I can't even, I can't even pray without praying. I got to pray to pray. Like it, it all comes down to how much do I understand how dependent I am? And you know, I say, I, th this is why it came a little easier to me again, because I said, I had this lifetime like oppression of feeling inadequate. There, there's a lot of other things that I've been deceived by and I still struggle with, but that weakness just came a little more clear to me because I kind of felt that already. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so we really have to need a correct appraisal that if we think that we're the essential component in what God wants to do, we've incorrectly assessed the situation, right? God yeah. can use whoever he wants to use. He just needs us to be dependent on him. He needs us to be crying out to him. In our weakness, he is made strong. Now Amen. talk to the pastor who says, okay, I get that. I realize that. I see that. God is moving me more and more in a spirit of prayer. But honestly, if I said we're going to have a prayer meeting, there'd be six old ladies who would show up at our church and that's all I'd get. And it had run out of steam in about 15 minutes. And so I've tried that. I tried the prayer meeting. I did it the one time and nobody showed up. What do I do to try to integrate prayer more and more into the life of who we are as a church? Yep, absolutely. I think that's a great question. So one of the things that God gave me a number of years ago is the statement, the more you pray, the more you pray. <laughs> and it absolutely has to start with me. I cannot start a movement of prayer in my church if I'm not passionately seeking the face of God for myself. So it has to be birthed out of this. And, and the, the reality is the more I pray, the more I will want to pray. And discipline in prayer leads to delight in prayer. And so as I begin to cultivate a deeper and deeper prayer life myself, I am going to be compelled by God to lead other people into prayer. Okay, again, I, I just think we got to be real careful here because we can talk about strategies and everything, but this is a spirit endeavor. We got to be careful. Like, you know, here's the A, B, C, D things to do to make it happen. And I'm saying, listen, it always comes down to this supernatural fire in your soul that you're experiencing with God and you're so compelled by God and you're seeing him answer prayers and you're meeting with God that you cannot help to invite other people into it. Because, you know, this is how we got to think about ministry. Me ministering to others is always me inviting them into God's ministry to me. How can I minister to others unless God is first ministering to me? And so if I'm going to lead the church into prayer, I got to invite them into my prayer life. Hmm. And so it has to start there. So I'm putting the bulk of the emphasis on here. And, and again, I talk a long time about practical things to do, but I'm, I'm spending time to emphasize that. I'm belaboring that. But beyond that, I need to be casting the vision for prayer 
from up front. I have to be casting the vision. And just one of my favorite verses, it's short and memorable, is James 4, 2. You do not have because you do not ask. Yeah. And that's a promise, but it's simple to remember. And I just, I love to keep telling the church, keep telling the people, listen, there's things that God says he's not going to do unless you ask. And, and, I, and I have to keep telling people that. And then what I have to do is I have to begin to cultivate that prayer time with the people who are there. Who are the people that are there? And then we got to let it catch fire. And, but then I got to do everything I can to just cast the vision before the whole church. We got to get together. We have to do this. I got to teach on this. I got to give stories. I, get, I got to give explanations. And, you know, God has given us testimonies at Mosaic Community. We have had some crazy amounts of money, like just some really amazing things. And when, when that happens, we point people back to the prayers. So cultivating it personally, stoking the fire in those that God is already working on and casting the vision before the church and also celebrating answers to prayer publicly. I don't think we should ever underestimate how powerful it is for the people of God to hear, listen, we prayed and prayed and prayed for this. Like, I'll just say real quick, our building, we walked around this building multiple times and prayed that God would give us this building. It, it was a Cub Foods grocery store, 64,000 square feet. Wow. We walked around this building and we prayed God would give us that building. I mean, I'm talking, we were praying for this building before we even launched our church in an elementary school down the street. And we kept praying and praying and praying. And it's a long story. We don't have the time, but the details are mind blowing. Long story short, we had one month to raise $250,000 with an annual budget of $180,000. <laughs> and we believed God wanted us to present this opportunity to, the, to our church because the city of Joliet was going to tear down this old abandoned grocery store. They were tired of it. And we're like, this is like the perfect location. It's right in the center of Joliet, two minutes off the expressway. And we prayed and we fasted and man, we had to put it all out there. It was, it was scary. It was like, I don't know what's going to happen. What if only half the money comes in, but we don't write it all. What do we do? Give it all back. And how do we do that? Long story short, in one month, $259,000 came in. Wow. <laughs> the whole church erupted. Yes. We told the church that on our Christmas service, and we highlighted prayer. Hmm. Now we live in, we meet in an answer to prayer. And, and by God's grace, I would say this is the most recognizable church in Joliet, as far as our location, we're not, we're not, sure. we're not the largest, but our building is located in such a place where it is the most noticeable hmm. church in the whole city of Joliet. <laughs> and God did that by prayer. That's amazing. A 64,000 square foot building. We got it for $550,000. That's great. And we were, so, we were able to do all the work we needed. Wow. So on a Sunday morning, how does prayer fit into the life of the church as you gather on Sunday? So I'm going to, after I go over my sermon notes and I take an extended time to do that, I'm going to spend an extended amount of time in prayer over the sermon in particular over that Sunday morning. But they also have a group of people who are gathering together 
in what we call pre-service prayer. And that goes for a half an hour. Uh, by the way, they told me just two weeks ago, they experienced the Holy Spirit like they had never experienced before in that prayer meeting. Wow. They said his presence was so thick and his presence did not lift the whole time that wow. they prayed. And so there's the pre-service prayer meeting and their focus is just to pray for the service. So there's a lot of other things we could pray about, but we say we're focusing on praying for everything you can pray about for the service. And I say, you know, I tell people who are new to the church, I go, I just want you to know, like when you walked into the building, all these spiritual arrows were shooting at you. You're getting hit by spiritual arrows everywhere because you've been prayed for yeah, on your right. way in here. And then, uh, of course, you know, the sermon is opened up in prayer. The worship time is opened up in prayer. But after the sermon is done, we have four people come on up front to the stage as I come up to give the final word to pray for people, but we don't just have them come up there. I verbalize their presence and the opportunity to be prayed for every week. So every week I am verbally inviting people, come on up, don't leave here unless you're prayed for. The books that Eric just mentioned, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala, and the book by John Piper, Hunger for God. We have links to those books in our show notes as well as a link to Eric's website at Mosaic Church in Joliet, Illinois. And of course, we've got a link to the Great Commission Collective website as well, gccollective.org, if you'd like to learn more about the Great Commission Collective. And let me encourage you to uh, think about someone you know, a pastor, a church leader, who you can forward today's podcast to. There may be someone who you think would be encouraged by or challenged by our conversation with Eric today, just send them a link to this podcast and then do us a favor. If you're finding the podcast helpful, like it on your podcast website. That'll help us get the word out about this podcast. Next time we're together, we're going to talk about pastoral transition, about when a senior pastor steps down or retires or moves to a new assignment and you're the guy to step in and take over for the previous guy, there can be some challenges there. And Micah Cludenady is going to join us. Micah stepped in as the lead pastor at Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana, after the founding lead pastor left for a new assignment. We'll hear his story next time on The Bounce. I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you next time we're together.